Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, how about it? <laughs> I mean, Chris, <laughs> it's only fair that... We get bit finally by the coaching carousel and by silly season because me and you not only taped earlier today, we taped earlier than usual. And even with that being the case, even if we had taped at our normal time of six Eastern, five Central, we would have been before the news came out. But of course, those of you probably know what we're alluding to here on SEC Football and Beyond, and that is Brian Kelly. Soon to be the next head coach at LSU, as uh, the reports are out there, what the figures will be, all those different types of things. But, Chris, it sounds like it's a done deal, just pending the official announcement. Scott Woodward got his guy again. Well, you know, we've we've talked about his, um, his proclivity to um, find the big game, the big fish. Um, He's certainly done that, uh, wondering if he was going to do it. What is intriguing to me about this whole situation is that Brian is someone that came up initially when it started. And I know that they reached out to him, and it wasn't even any – it just didn't even go anywhere. In fact, I talked with Brian. I know Brian very well. I've known him from his Grand Valley days. Just not real interested in – leaving Notre Dame. And I, I know I've mentioned this on our shows. What I, you know, I'm, I'm piecing it together and it'll make, take a little more time to settle in and find more details as I delayed you by coming on, um, was, was finding out some things and the timeline of everything. And you don't know exactly how this played out, but as we mentioned a little bit earlier, um, that you'll be able to hear is that I don't know the whole Lincoln Riley situation caught Scott Woodard by surprise because it was understanding, at least for me, trending that he's leaving for LSU was not a real thing. It was a media thing, but not a real thing. So I just, I know Scott had to know that that wasn't going to happen. And I do think that at a point in time, Dan, that that was certainly someone that they really liked, really wanted. So my, my sense is, and I'll, you know, we'll find out. I mean, I'm sure they'll kind of dance around this, but I think as this kind of played out, I think they circled back, whether it's, I'm sure, Jimbo called or some others. But, you know, I think they clearly went hard at Brian at the end and, and through the money. I'm hearing, I don't know the details yet, I'm hearing it's going to be over $100 million, you know, a lot of years. Uh, it's going to be a 10-year deal to put that. Uh, we'll, we'll see those numbers. I, I, I don't know. Um, 
here's the one thing I've always talked with Brian about, because I've known him since Grand Valley Day. So, I mean, we're talking about Grand Valley State where you're just, you're getting nothing. Then he goes to Central Michigan and he's, you know, he's having to do the whole Mac thing. Then he goes to Cincinnati, which for people who don't know Cincinnati, it's a really good program. We know what their status is now. But they've, in the past, they've had to recruit a lot of, you know, the misfit, the, the land of misfit toys. and put the. So he's done all of that. And he goes to Notre Dame, and he has to do the Notre Dame thing, you know, where you don't – you can't recruit just anybody. It's more about recruiting like who Stanford recruits and folks, and they're not a whole lot of exceptions they can get. And they're really strict about you can't be too far off the core, and you got to take calculus as a freshman. Good God, if I had to take calculus as a freshman, I don't know what it is. There's a lot of things there. You know, got to live in a certain place on campus. They're like, and he was always good with that. But, you know, it wasn't like any you know, Catholic, Irishman, Northeast guy who kind of adopted the Midwest. Again, spent a lot of time in Michigan and, you know, Cincinnati. Notre Dame, so he's kind of like become an adopted Midwesterner. So I've always got the cranky Irishman that would, would, as you've seen him on the sidelines, you know, turn colors of purple. Doesn't do that quite yet anymore. Um, you know, you you wonder, I don't know. I doesn't really do that. I'm comfortable, whatever. But I've always felt like, you know, man, if you had the ability to go recruit anybody and no restrictions academically, you know, where you could go. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and BS anybody. I think it's about the money. I'm not saying that Notre Dame wasn't, can't pay it. They absolutely can. I don't know that they, well, I think this is maybe a different thing. I'm going to give a lot, because I, I can tell you, I talk with Scott. I, I got nowhere with him. Now, that I'm going to give 100%. It had to be when I talk with him, and he won't admit to it, but Scott Water just had to put the charm on to convince him and the all sales job. Now it's, it's one thing to sell Dan when you got the money and the check that you can write and say, that's, that's the sell job, but it's also what you can do winning a title. Can you win a title at Notre Dame? I mean, I think you can, but how much difficult is it? And it is more of a challenge, but you know what? Most people don't see it that way. Most people you know, think, well, I know the name. They can do the same thing. They don't recruit a lot of the same guys that LSU and Alabama no. recruit. So, no. you know, this is going to be something that's different for him that he's going to be able to do that you know that he can do. He's just not been able to do it. I, I think um, I thought about this. I just talked with someone that I've known for 35 years, been at LSU forever. I said, this is, think about this. Without question, not even a debate, not even close, the most, um, the best resume football coach at LSU's ever hired. I mean, going back to Gaynell Tinsley, who's a, you know, I'm, I'm pointing on, on my wall here in my office of the first LSU football, Dr. Charles Colts. I mean, every, you go into, you know, you're looking at a guy like Paul Dietzel. He made his fame at LSU, not before. Charlie McClendon was a faithful assistant to Paul Dietzel. Um, you know, Bo Ryan was a really good young up-and-coming 34-year-old coach that did a good job at um, 
NC State. Right. You know, tragedy. Jerry Stovall comes in. Mike Arch- Bill Orangeberger had a lot of football credentials who I work for, but he didn't have success as a head coach. Um, you know, Nick Saban, very good coach at Michigan State. Well, we're talking about the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame, that he's just done a phenomenal job there. Um, without question, now does it translate to titles? I don't know. It's not a just you, it's done, it's a given because – because a couple of guys that are not nearly half the coach that he is that won one, that doesn't mean that he will win one. But the credentials are phenomenal. So I think it's it's a an, a, an explosively good hire. Um, I just think the guy is a dynamic, good football coach, and he's hard-nosed, tough, hire staff well, um, you know, from the Clark Lees to the Mike Elkos, Marcus Freeman. Does Marcus Freeman get the job? Would he now come? Will he be in the mix? I thought he'd have a shot at Virginia Tech. I think that's going to go to Bill O'Brien now. But I I don't know what – you know, it's going to be real interesting. But I think a lot of the problems of the past um, are are not going to go forward. Now, let me just say this. It's going to be rough because it ain't easy to get – I mean, he's a hard – I'll say this, we're not on live radio, he's a hard ass. And he's yeah. gonna piss a lot of people off. And he's probably gonna piss the media off. And he's he's about as tightly wound as Nick Saban is. <laughs> in terms of, you know, he can go off on you and um I just but you know I like it. Uh interesting. Um <laughs> he's in a home visit tonight. <laughs> it's awkward how <laughs> that is. The home visit. Real quick, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I want to get your thoughts. I think based upon previous conversations, I do think there's a good chance, and they'll have other options too. Corey Raymond is a good shot. I think Kevin Falk is a good shot. I, I don't. We'll see with the rest of the staff. We'll get to the staff time. But, um, yeah, look, just, just through from he's he's uh, not not building the same type of house that Lincoln Riley was building in Norman, but – He's got on Notre Dame Avenue, he's got a $2 million place that's being built. So um, um, I don't know what comes of that, but we'll, but we'll see. So anyway, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him and for LSU. Well, I'm wondering if part of that money that they have at LSU <laughs> is going to be like what we heard about the uh, purchasing of the <clears throat> homes in Norman by USC and part of that deal. So that's I've got to wonder phenomenal. if that's part of it. I mean, you know, it, it, these things work themselves out. But he, He's going to have plenty of money in bonus yeah. to do a lot of things with it. That won't be an issue. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, it's funny you mentioned about the coaches. I have seen a report out there. I believe it was Jacques Doucet that um, apparently a recruit uh, had mentioned that they were told Raymond and Kevin Falk would be retained. So... Uh, it, it will, we'll see if indeed uh, that does come to fruition. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see as well. I mean, usually, Chris, we do see that where uh, at least one coach is retained for continuity and then maybe soon enough after you feel like you've got a good thing going, you know the area, you know the rest of the, the team and the coaching staff that they either move on themselves or you eventually say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and go a different direction at the spot. We've seen it all over the place. No, uh, for example, Kirby Smart, when he took over at Georgia, he kept Tracy Rocker. And then a year later, he moved on from Tracy Rocker. So it does happen. 
I think well, the, really the, re- the re- real quick, the right. reason I think that Corey's in good position because he and I have talked about Corey, about him trying to get him over at Notre Dame. He we okay. talked about him as possibly even be coordinator. So I know how much he thinks of Corey. Kevin, I think, has less experience. I know Kevin wants to coach. I'm I'm not so sure that Kevin wouldn't be better in the off-the-field role, and that maybe is not what he wants. I don't feel as comfortable there. But, you know, it, it'll be Brian's decision. He's not taking the job with any skip. Trust me, Brian is is not taking any job, but he will have complete control. And that's the other thing, too, is with Ed – they basically dictated a lot of, you know, right. do this because they didn't trust him making decisions. Sure. And um, so uh, anyway. Well, I mean, for everything that you mentioned, I mean, the resume, I mean, people might say, oh, well, he got crushed every time he had a huge game at Notre Dame. Chris, the last five years when they wanted to fire him after the 2016 season, he won no less than 10 games. Tell me the last person at Notre Dame to do that. I mean, era Parsegian. I mean, we're going back a long way of coaches that had that type of success at Notre Dame. So that's number one. I think the other part as well, the leadership and organization of the program at Notre Dame that he had, that's something that I know that you had mentioned they really wanted for the job. And that's something that's, that box is checked right there. I think evaluation and being able to evaluate talent on the recruiting trail has obviously been something they've been doing very well there because Chris, they've been taking players that probably were getting offers from Alabama and other schools. Number one, they were able to get into Notre Dame, which is one of the toughest places in the country to get into. I mean, it's probably, you got the Ivy league and you probably got Notre Dame, Duke, Michigan schools like that right below it. It's right there in terms of the toughest places to get into academically. And he was still getting top tier players into school at Notre Dame. So that's huge right there. Development was huge at Notre Dame, and they were able to do that very well. So I think for everything that you just mentioned there, for all the people who are going to say, well, they just did this because Lincoln Riley said no to them. Chris, even though Lincoln Riley has been coaching as long as Brian Kelly, at least in the recent years, that five-year stretch that I just told you right there, Brian Kelly has done everything and probably even more that Lincoln Riley has done. At Oklahoma, so <clears throat> I, I, under, I mean, I, I, I get it that it's one of those things that they're not the young guy and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, though, too, it, it is the, the the you know people want to say, well, he got Jimbo to Texas A and M. Aside from winning a national title, and I know it's a big thing. Don't get me wrong, but what has Jimbo Fisher necessarily done that Brian Kelly hasn't? Yeah, no, when you consider doing it. Let me just say this for the timeline. So I've kind of thought about it, and I've put the pieces together. So as I've said that there, Scott Woodard, because I, I, we kind of sense that Lincoln Riley and USC has been in the works for a while. Scott knows that. Now, how far he knew it, I, I do believe that they had a lot of interest in Lincoln Riley, but they didn't find out Sunday that Lincoln Riley was going to USC and turned around and got this deal done with Brian Kelly today. That, 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 I mean, this has been, it took a little longer than that. And so I think once they knew, so I think the thought of, well, they moved on from Lincoln Riley to Brian Kelly. I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. It just didn't happen in 24 hours or 48 hours. Right. I think they've been working that. Now, what I think could have happened is they've could have pushed, could have put a, could have put a big push to 
get this done now, maybe in the, and remember this, and I put this out, and I, I tweeted this out earlier. The agent for Lincoln Riley, the agent for Brian Kelly are the same guy, Trace Armstrong. Okay. So this is how this stuff works is we got to, we, you know, if we can't, because I think there's a, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of well, what happens if we get into the playoffs, meaning Notre Dame, it's unlikely, but we can create a scenario. It's not the, sure. and we're not on sure. to discuss this. There's a scenario where they can get in. What if they get in? Well, what does that have? That, that had to be discussed. And I'm sure, well, what happens if has been discussed, what's that's going to be? Well, well, I'm sure that's going to be figured out and discussed, but, I, I think it was pretty clear that 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 I'm sure Scott had to be anti that look, you know, I, I could get caught in a pickle here, and and I don't know that he had that Brian locked up, but I but I think he obviously the past I'm gonna say the past few days to a week, maybe a little bit longer he's been working him, maybe along with somebody else, and really made enough progress, and probably pushed to get this done now, so as to you know get on to with the recruiting and to keep in your current players and to have the answer, because I do know that, you know, getting Florida, getting their guy and USC getting their guy. And I think we'll have Virginia tech. It may be uh, here within 24 hours, 48 hours. We may get Oklahoma. I mean, I think it's becoming all right. We can't wait. And if mm-hmm. we're waiting and if we're waiting on Luke fickle, who well, that's another interesting story is, is he going to be in play in Notre Dame? Are they going to wait? Are they going to make the playoffs? I, You know, if he's waiting on somebody, I, I don't know that he wanted to get – he wanted to secure somebody. So I'm, I'm thinking that led to the deal getting consummated in the timing that it did. But I think this has been in play for at least a week or so, at least the way that's that uh, I understand it tonight. Monstrous hire. I mean, I, I, I can't, uh, I laid out everything of why I believe it is so. And I mean, in terms of anybody that you could have possibly gotten for this job, this is about as great as you could expect. So that's huge for LSU to be able to hire on Brian Kelly official announcement likely to come on Tuesday. So we wanted to hop on with you all for just a few minutes. Now enjoy the rest of sec football and beyond. Appreciate you all joining us. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus. Bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like i did bet us you bet you win you get paid bet us all right
right, SEC football and beyond the post-regular season edition of the show. As you can hear from my voice, that it has been a long ride to this point. No, it's the travel. It's the getting back into the swing of things. It's the change of the seasons. It's all those different types of things. That is what has probably caught up to me just a little bit, but we're still here with you on a early part of the week. It is Dan Matthews. It's Chris Landry with you here. As uh, Chris, uh, since me and you broke early last week, because of course with it being the Thanksgiving holiday, we did the show the last time on a Tuesday, which normally would be reserved for a Thursday. And this time because, uh, well, it is the holiday season, things uh, switching around a little bit where I work on my day job at 6A The Fan in Atlanta, going to be on air live later in Atlanta on Monday night. Uh, But uh, went ahead and wanted to make sure that we were able to have the show today. So here we are for all of you on Twitch at, uh, and it is twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry football is the way that you can catch us there. Uh, Chris, uh, ever since then, I guess, um, as uh, Rick Sutcliffe said a few years ago, not too busy, man, not too busy. Uh, not too busy for you, huh, tongue-in-cheek? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty busy. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a hectic uh, hectic couple of days. As, uh, it's really, I was telling somebody, uh, and I'm re- we're referring to the coaching searches, that it's been a little bit busier earlier than normal because of so many – stuff that's happened from the early part of the season. So from like even late September and October, the real heavy part usually doesn't hit me till in early November. It's just really been hectic all October and, and uh, all heck broke loose, as it usually does Thanksgiving week because it's the end of the season for many this next week, it's going to be the end of the season for even more, and there's a domino effect, and it's there's a lot of things that go on. I, I tweeted out that there's two sides to coaching searches. There's the what goes on in the discussions behind the scenes, and then the kind of how it plays out publicly, and it's kind of interesting to – being involved in coaching searches, I don't get all the information about what's coming next, but I can piece things together, and sometimes things make sense, sometimes they don't. And we're going to have fun today talking about any number of things. Some of it kind of can get into detail how things played out at Florida, and we're going to take you back to, you know, quickly a few weeks, and then what's going on at LSU, what happened in the – what's considered the bombshell of the weekend in uh, folks in Norman, Oklahoma, not too happy with a coach that is leaving to go out West. So um, Washington, I believe has got their guy today. I just tweeted that out. Um, I think Fresno State's Kalen DeBoer is going to get that job, but a lot of stuff to get to man. And um, just uh, let's get at it. And we invite folks, look, we're, if you're listening to this as a podcast, great. But there's a way to be interactive with this show, and you can join us live on YouTube, Landry Football, Facebook, Landry Football, on um, Twitch TV. Go to LandryFootball.com, click follow Chris on Twitch, and you can join the show live. Ask your questions in the chat room. Only way we can ask your questions if you send it to us somehow at Twitter, at Landry Football, at Dan Matthews, whatever. So 
man, let's uh, let's get after it, and uh, we'll take your questions uh, as as they come. Yeah, at Dan Matthews ATL is how you can find me on Twitter. One T in Matthews is how you find me. Uh, also, too, uh, if you want to uh, catch the podcast version of this show, which drops every Tuesday and Friday morning, you can do that at the uh, Apple uh, Podcast as well as Spotify, wherever you get your podcast needs. That is where you can find us. Chris, uh, with this being recorded on a Monday, of course, Cyber Monday, for those of you out there in the holiday shopping times, I know Hanukkah is underway, Christmas just a few weeks away. Chris, for the football fans out there, I'm giving you the sales pitch time. It's testimonial time here on SEC Football and Beyond. For those who are thinking of buying those they love and care about, a subscription to LandryFootball.com. Yeah, real simple to do. It's a really good gift because it lasts all year, all year round, and it's something whether you're, folks want to know the inside information on coaching searches, if they want the film room breakdowns of the games that are taking place, college, the NFL, the games that have been played, the games that are coming up, recruiting information, draft, as we say all year round, one-stop shopping football. Check out our, um, our special sale we got on the front. Very simple. Click on it. Gives you some options. Month, six months, a year. Uh, you can decide. And uh, certainly you can um, pay for, you know, I don't know, your dad, your mom, your brother, whatever, cousin, whoever you want to give a gift to. You can put their name in it, use their email, and then uh, pay with your credit card. Uh, very, very simple. Or PayPal. We make it pretty easy for you. So it's a great gift. Give a gift to yourself, man. Uh, you yeah, worked really hard. It's been tough. And uh, it's like having your own scouting department, coaching department for Last in the Magazine subscription. So check it out today. Well, a couple of things, too, because I think that people are thinking about the coaching moves that are being made right now. But people need to also remember, as we get into the offseason here, signing day wrapping up, all that different types of stuff, there's going to be hires made. There's going to be analysts added. There's going to be position coaches added. There's going to be coaches leaving programs, going to other places. And this new thing called the transfer portal, Chris, I'm sure you've heard about it, that even during the offseason, we're going to be hearing about guys saying, yeah, maybe this place isn't the right place for me anymore. It's time for me to go look at other places. Needless to say, much more than college football, there are a lot of moving parts in not only pro football, college football, but also to on the high school ranks as well for recruiting all those can be found at LandryFootball.com. So I'm a subscriber. You should be as well. Very much uh, well worth uh, your money and your time to be a subscriber to LandryFootball.com. Uh, Chris, let's get right into it. As uh, we have seen uh, a lot of uh, interesting news and notes from the college football world. And I want to start first with uh, Billy Napier to Florida. I know that this was a name last week that really arose and then we get some of the details. I can't remember who had the actual details about Scott Strickland going to his house in Lafayette on Tuesday, talking with him, and apparently right after that saying, that's it. This guy is exactly who we need. And I think that obviously, too, it's one of those things with him that an offensive background, no doubt about it, with his time at Alabama. Also, to the success at Louisiana Lafayette. But here's the thing as well, that it sounds like it really checked the box especially when you factor in who was just there and their lacked perception of being a lax recruiter and not necessarily somebody that went down that road. It sounds like Billy Napier is somebody that is going to be the anti-Dan Mullen when it comes to that in terms of the recruiting events and also, too, the energy that he puts towards that. I think that's something that has Florida fans most excited about him. Well, it's what 
certainly Scott was excited about first and foremost. I think there are a couple of things that stand out to me with with Billy in being around him a bunch and in his career is uh, as he grew up around the, the sport. His dad was a coach. Uh, he played at Furman. Billy did. Um, dad's a coach in Georgia. I mean, a lot of familiar background there. He's a guy that understands, grew up around the game. He understands organizations. He, you know, he spent some time at Clemson. He's had two stints at Alabama. He is a unique guy that, I mean, he was a grinder. So he was an analyst at Alabama and worked his way up to become a receiver coach. Not easy to do for Nick Saban. That's a little bit more of what Belichick does. It's really not always what Saban does. That's impressive. Work ethic, organization, studied, paid a lot of attention to what they were doing at Alabama and how they do it. And it's one of the reasons that he's been so successful at Louisiana Lafayette is he's taken a very detailed organizational approach of how does he do things. For example, one of the things that Saban does in in the recruiting part is what we call critical factors. It's what we had when, when we're all together in Cleveland. What are critical factors? It's just that for each and every position. What are one through 20, 25 how many different criteria for each position? What are the critical factors in order of importance? He's kind of learned that. He's grown from that. He's taken that to ULL. And he doesn't have the Army of Analysts. He's taken graduate assistants over there. And he's done a very good job of evaluating, being real thorough, and making good decisions where you have to make decisions on a lot of the two three-star guys, the right type of guys that are going to be the fit. It's it's a different way to do it, but it's how you have to do it regardless of where you are, and then you've got to do it within your resource structure because obviously from a sales standpoint, you're going to be able to sell more at a Clemson or Alabama than you're ever going to be able to sell at a, at a, at a Louisiana Lafayette. So he's done that very well. As an assistant, when he moved up to become an assistant at Alabama, his strength clearly was recruiting. I mean, he is a tireless recruiter. He works an an inordinate amount of time on it. Um, And that is the opposite of what kind of Dan was. The staff at Florida, there's a lot of concern even by people that work there on the coaching staff that we don't meet as much here on recruiting as we have in other places. And, you know, we don't do that. That's going to certainly change who he hires, how he's going to do it. He's also very good. Billy is at identifying good assistants. He's been around a lot of good people. It's another good thing. When you're at a Clemson, you're at an Alabama, and then you're able to hire well at ULL and all those experiences, exposes you to a lot of different people that this is the type of guy I want. This is who I'd like to like to reach out to. And if so-and-so can't come, he knows you've got a, you got a, a large Rolodex of where to choose from. So hiring well on the staff, being really organized, being a good leader, uh, guys love to work with them and work for them. And it'd be a dogged recruiter is something that I think he's very, very good at offensively he comes from the offensive side of the ball um he's taken a mixture of some of the rpo stuff that he's learned from his time 
uh, at Clemson to some of the things that they do at Alabama, which is more the one-back uh, homogenized version of, of of what they've done from you know Joe Pendry to some of the stuff with Lane. To, so he's a little bit maybe not the wide open, you know, but a guy that's have an eclectic view but understands the importance of being able to marry an offense to a defense. So I think they've got themselves a really good football coach. Uh, look, he's not been a head coach at the P5 level. So that's going to be the criticism. That's going to be the question mark. That's going to be the, well, how good is he going to be? How good is he going to do? We don't know until you do it. It's high pressure. But the one thing that they needed to do is address the, who are you going to have to beat? Well, if you're Florida, the school you have to beat first is Georgia. What are you lacking there? It is you don't recruit as well as Georgia. And until you do, you're going to be trailing Georgia and looking up to Georgia. And it does not mean that, like last year, you can't pull a win out, but you're not going to upcoach it enough consistently to beat a team that's got, in in some cases, significantly more talent and depth. That shouldn't happen there. It shouldn't be the issue going forward. And if he hires well and they're able to develop, which they should be able to do, and they recruit as well as I think he has the potential to do, and you are working on upgrading your facilities, which, again, we've said this before, in Gainesville, you're a little bit behind. And to some degree, it's going to be a little bit of chase. But, you know, I think in spring when they, they open up the new one, it, it, it helps. There's just way too much talent there to not focus a lot on recruiting. It's what made Urban Meyer, you know, take it to a level. Um, and I think that they've got a chance to get a really good one. A couple of notes here on the process. I think that the Florida fans should know, and everybody should know. Scott, this is how Scott did it. We were discussing here on this podcast when things were kind of going haywire and it looked like, hmm, man, I don't know if Dan's going to make it. And this was before it became obviously he wasn't going to make it. It was like, man, I, I don't know. Because I was thinking, all right, eight and four to go. at that time. Scott was doing his due diligence with the understanding of, look, he may not have to make this move. But if he did, who did he want? And he worked through a pretty, you know, a decent list early to get right to where when he did his homework. While Dan Mullen is still the head coach, he did his homework behind the scenes. And he targeted Billy, and he did his intel and vetted everything so that when Dan was gone, thank you, here's your parting gift, it was quickly on to Billy, and he wrapped this up pretty quickly. We'll find out over the long haul how it's going to work, what they got, but that's how it played out, and Billy really wild them in that meeting because of the organizational skills that he had how step-by-step he was going to do it. That impressed him, and including a lot of who he's looking at staff-wise, which, by the way, I'm not going to get into all the names. Over at LandryFootball.com, you can get the full scouting report I got on Billy and a number of the guys that I think he's at least vetting to bring on the staff. I don't know how many are going to come. He can get them. 
but these are a lot of people that he's coached with that at Florida he might be able to attract at least a few of them, if not several of them. One quick note on this I think that needs to be brought up is that I feel like the goal not only was to be able to get a good football mind in somebody who has a real nose for recruiting. Chris, I think it was somebody that they wanted to be a uniter, that there was probably a feeling in the building of Dan Mullen kind of alienating a lot of people, and it seems like even though he seemed like he was loyal to a fault to keep Todd Grantham around, he alienated that side of the football as well. And that's something that really probably started to wear thin with some of the players in that building, and I get it. You're not going to make everybody happy. I, I get that. But when you're the head coach of a program, you got to be the head coach for everybody because people know what your background is. They know you're an offensive guy. Trust me, at Georgia, everybody knows that Kirby Smart was a defensive guy. But there's a feeling in that building that it is a unified team. It is a full effort going towards what they're trying to do for the first time since 1980. I don't necessarily feel like that was a feeling that was there with Dan Mullen and I got to believe that that's what Scott Strickland really wanted to go for here was let's bring somebody in that's going to truly make this a team and one program, not just about how good our offense is. He's very professional. Uh, he'll be easy to get along with. And yet I think he has a disciplined approach and style. Again, he's learned from folks and he's come from the background He's also not a guy that um, thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, but he wants to outwork you and he wants to put good people around you. And, and I think there is something to the effect that he will handle himself in the way that I think folks that will at, at Florida will appreciate, maybe not get frustrated. But look, it's all about winning. If you're not winning, they'll get frustrated. But how you deal with it, how you address it. But again, as we often say, it's always the case, it seems, that whatever is not working, you try to hire the opposite. And, and it really comes down to you got a guy that didn't know how to really express and say things correctly. You got a guy now who does. You had a guy that maybe didn't focus on, I'm going to get the best prospects it's more about me and my coaching and how smart I am. And I don't mean that take a shot at Dan, but it's a little, you know, it, it's kind of how it came There's off. There's many people who felt that way, so you're yeah, not speaking out of yeah. time. So it's uh, – and, and so I think they've got – and I think pretty sure that's what Scott uncovered when he met with them, which, by the way, I say this because my godchild, my nephew – stop by and visit me. There's a little boy and his wife on Wednesday and they're next door neighbors to Billy Napier in Lafayette. So it's, it's ironic. Uh, I, 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 he didn't tell me that they were, they were meeting the day before. I don't think he knew he was out working. So uh, I guess visitors came in next door on the other side. He didn't notice it, but um, anyway, that's the, the story. That's who they, they got. And, uh, Time will tell, and and there'll be there'll be critics, there'll be people that'll you know critique. But I think for the most part, it has come off very very well. Uh, at least people that have reached out to me, um, 
and have asked questions and 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 or thoughts on it. So I, I really I really think they've got a good football coach that, uh, and I'm a big believer in getting the right guy, and understanding like we talked about critical factors evaluating players. It's what I believe in in evaluating coaches. I don't believe in the stargazing is fine. There's nothing wrong with getting a PR boom, right, Dan? Mm -hmm. But as long as it's the best guy, as long as it's get the right guy and the the plaudits and the approval will come. If if you don't, you know, this will be a move. And I I applaud, Scott, because some athletic directors – fall into the category of I'm going to hire the name guy. Cause if you hire the name guy, then you can wash your hands. Hey, I did my job as the athletic director. I got the guy that everybody likes. If it doesn't work, well, it's not his fault. It takes uh, it takes some onions to go and hire somebody that maybe hasn't coached at that level and say, this guy has the criteria. I see it. I like it. I believe in it. And if it doesn't work, Scott will be grilled for it, like, you know, any athletic director. Sure. But he sees that vision, and, you know, I um, I text with with Scott um, this morning, and, um, I, excuse me, Billy this morning, um, and one of the things we talked about, he was up for some jobs and was interested in some jobs in recent years, and it turns out, it's probably the best one of all, at least in his mind. So it was just kind of the, you know, you know what? It it works out. And so your patience, your stick to good things worked out. So congrats to him. And I would say congrats to um to Scott Strickland in Florida. I think they'll be excited with this hire. We'll see. Lincoln Riley choosing USC instead of going to LSU. I mean, what do we necessarily know, Chris? Because it seems like There's a lot of conflicting reports out there. Lincoln was offered. No, he was never offered. All these different things. He's stuck in the SEC, uh, but he chooses USC. I've got at least one opinion on it at the end. I want to get you first. Well, first of all, LSU did reach out. There was some level of interest. As far as the whole official offer stuff, um, that never comes until you know you're you're ready to walk down the aisle. So that 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 is, um, and again, this is the the perfect example of the people don't know and people are taking information and are jumping to conclusions that are not there. So the story is Lincoln was never, and I tweeted this out and I, I put this out on my social media accounts, Lincoln has been working on the USC deal for about three weeks, his reps. Um, There was never much of an interest at all with him in LSU. So it never got to the point where there's some sort of an official offer. So the whole, they offered him 15 million and 20 million and all this kind of stuff. No, because it never got to that because he never reciprocated that interest. Now, I think that that PR bump, however it was spewed out probably from his camp, that he is interested, it certainly probably helped in the negotiations with USC. 
because there was, quote-unquote, another potential suitor. As far as USC knew, there might be, there might not be, right? So that helps there. But my understanding in uncovering it, there's um, things haven't been rosy between Lincoln and the administration for a little while. And, and I don't know that it's one thing. He, he was never really happy with Oklahoma's decision to move to the SEC. As a football coach, I don't think it was an ideal situation. But, of course, it's a no-brainer for Oklahoma to go to the SEC. Um, here's my thoughts and my, my belief on Lincoln. I think Lincoln, known him for a long time, I think he's a really bright young offensive coach. I think he's his best fit maybe in the NFL is one of these bright young offensive minds that you compare with a good football GM and kind of put a team around him. I think he's a better version of Cliff Kingsbury, who's having some success right now. But Lincoln is from the area where it's about his offense, is how the offense looks. It's it's winning that way. Everything he does, recruiting, play calling, practice structure, is all slanted towards his offense. And I think, I don't want to use the term tough, but the physicality, the, 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 the defensive style, the complementary football that I always talk about doesn't really exist with him. It's, it's not what it needs to be for championship level. He has done a great job in the Big 12. Um, and, and I think we'll do a really good job in the SE, in the Pac-12, where I think you can get elite talent, you can score a bunch of points, and I think you can win 11, 12 games, go to the playoffs. I do think that the difficulty he's had once he's got into the playoffs, it's because – he can't get enough stops, and if people are able to stop him just a little, he has no way to really right. to get it done. So, I, I, look, I think he sees it as an opportunity for a fresh start and an elite program. He left an elite program, but I think it's a fresh start, and I think um, I've heard people say scared of the SEC and all that. Well, that's that's what people are going to say, and that's fine. That's the word. I do think it is fair to say, I'll take it this far and say, I think he's more comfortable with the style of the Big 12 the way it used to be and how that will translate into the Pac-12 more than him wanting to change his ways in the SEC, which I think that is the case. The other thing that I believe is that in the Big 12, he was at, along with Texas, laugh, folks, what they're doing the field, they are the two big brands in the Big 12. And I think Oklahoma is the better of the two. They've won more championships in their history. If you Once you go into the SEC, which they are, they are amongst the best, but they're not the – they don't go in and they're the – they are the program to beat. I don't – that's not ideal. I'm not saying he was running away. I just think that this is something that came up that intrigued him more. The LSU situation was, again, 
from the LSU media, and you know a lot of them, follow all of them. It's, they're bought into it because they're hearing this not from the people that are making the decisions at LSU because, again, it didn't go as far as they thought. But from the, the people that were talking, oh, it's coming. LSU's a better program than Oklahoma. Dan, one of the things that I mentioned when we left, when you thought I, I never got the sense that going to LSU made any sense for him, it's you can debate. I don't. I don't think he saw LSU as a better job than Oklahoma or a worse job. It's it's not the same job, but it's similar. USC's different. Okay, and. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What do you want? You know, it depends on what you want. And I think this is what he wants. And this is where it is. So, now, again, the whole, you know, the the people, you know, Dan, I'm not trying to be rude to the – I know a lot of – you know a lot of these guys and you have them on other shows and all that. They're close to a deal. They had it. Well, those people are not going to come out now and and say – they got egg on his face. Well, it fell through, whatever. Yeah, it 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 never really. If it fell through, it fell through a long time ago. This kind of led him down the path of it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't much there there. You know, what I mean, it just it never got that far. Yeah, I think if if that is the uh, the type of splash hire that Scott Woodard would have wanted, absolutely. But I can tell you this for a fact that he wasn't shocked on Sunday because I know at least Thursday or Friday, he knew this was coming. If he didn't know it before, he knew it because I know it came across his desk because I I mean, some of us kind of knew it was coming. So, and the word I got was that kind of knew, you know, and yeah, we know we, that hadn't been, that hadn't been something that's been in play for us for a while. How it came out to where this is done. I mean, Dan, there are, people were telling me it's done. A deal is agreed to. I don't know where people get that stuff because I know it didn't come to that. I do think that the allowing of that to play up in the media only helps him in negotiation with USC. But, um, yeah, so it's fair to say that LSU, quote, unquote, was rebuffed from him. But they he was rebuffed for a while now this is not a this happened you know so people that are saying oh that's done he's coming eh, they, they were gauging it off of second third fourth hand information however they they get it but that's 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 that and i will say this i think oklahoma's in a position to do something to maybe get the type of guy that would be this is Joe Castiglione's job now to find the guy that's going to get them best prepared to deal with the physicality week in and week out of the SEC. It's time to do that. And we can get into that maybe at a different time, a different day. There's some people that intrigue me that might be fits there, but that, that believe it or not, may be better than, than Lincoln Riley as a fit, as right. an SEC coaching fit. Well, here's the thing, too, is that – I don't think that it's a ducking of the SEC. I think that ego was involved, and that's not a bad thing. Whenever ego comes up, it immediately brings negative connotations. I think in this case right here, it's for him 
where he says the upside at USC is much more than at LSU. He wins a national title at LSU. There's going to be a faction of, of fan base that says, that's what we're supposed to do here. We got talent. We got resources. We got it all. We're supposed to do that here. He wins a national title at USC. Chris, this is going to be a revitalization of one of the greatest programs in college football if he's able to do that. He's immediately mentioned in the same breath as Pete Carroll, who, in lack of better words, helped destroy the program with what happened with Reggie Bush, and he's still beloved in that fan base with USC. I mean, even, you know, as well uh, with uh, what we've seen in the in the past with other coaches uh, as well of uh, John McKay and, and other great coaches that have come through USC. If he's able to bring this program back with better recruiting and consistent winning at SC and it makes it look like USC, like we got to know USC back in the mid-2000s, then that is going to be something that is a major feather in his cap that I don't necessarily think he would have gotten in Baton Rouge. I think that if he had won a national title or gotten close or anything like that, I mean, look at what happened before this season with Kirby Smart. You have people out there who are actually saying Dan Mullen is a better coach than Kirby Smart, and look how that played out. So coaching in the SEC is not for everybody. That doesn't mean that he's ducking it. I'm just saying that the quality of life being the head coach at USC, especially the way the program is right now, is much different. And here's the other thing is as well, is I saw a lot of people out there saying, well, now Caleb Williams is going to go with them to Oklahoma, or uh, excuse me, to uh, USC. I don't think so. He's got a pretty good one in Jackson Dart out there. And I think he's going to be able to work with and be able to have some success with it right now. I think Keaton Slovis will probably move on and go somewhere else because of Dart, but still that. And then I guess the quarterback that he had committed to uh, USC, I saw decommitted already, and he's a Los Angeles area guy. So to, to, to Oklahoma, who's back. That's out what of I meant. Yeah. Commit, yeah, yeah. And it's easier to recruit to USC because you're not competing against everybody in the SEC. Everybody says, "Well, boy, you got the whole state of Louisiana." Yeah, you do, but you can't live off the entire state of Louisiana every year. You've got to go out of state and get and and so it, and right. then you're going and getting. And you can do it now. I mean, you, by God, you can do it. But you got to be willing to do that. And you're not going to be able to live at a place at, at like LSU where you're giving up 45 points a game. That will absolutely – that is no. a defensive identity program. Now, they love what happened in 2019, but they still criticize Dave Aranda when, when he was doing a really good job with the pace of the offense. At USC – you know, yes, great program historically, and they've had great teams, they had great defenses, but recruiting those great athletes, those great quarterbacks of receivers, that fits the profile of how he ran his program at Oklahoma, and he'll do that at USC, and they'll they'll love it out there because it's going to be fun, it's going to be exciting, and they can outscore people. And there are more players within a 50-mile radius of that campus, and he'll be able to get those. And he is a really, really great recruiter. And he'll be able to keep those. I mean, it is it is the program in the Pac-12. Make no mistake, that is the program. And it is a big, big-time deal there. And uh, I give Mike Bone a lot of credit because he was working that pretty effectively behind the scenes. And those are two athletic directors that uh, Scott Strickland and Mike Bone that both got their guy. They did it very quietly, 
and one got a splash higher, one maybe not as much of a splash, but they got their guy, and they did it quietly. And, um, you know, I know people expected Napier, but boom. I mean, it was – I mean, I don't know that Dan has cleaned out his office yet. It's been so quick. So that's kind of how things have worked. So, um, look, I, I, I'm now, you know, on to, you know, fits for Oklahoma, and I, I think getting that type of guy that can be – because I think, I think Bob Stoops did a really nice job. And I think what made Bob a really good head coach is that as a defensive guy, he understood the importance of, I mean, he had guys like Lincoln. He had guys like Mike Leach. He could marry things up pretty well as a head coach. I thought Lincoln was more of an offensive coordinator and recruiter, which are great qualities to have, don't get me wrong, but was not a great head coach. I thought he sometimes hurt his defense. Um, And by the way, Tells me again he's going to do the same thing. Who's he bringing on over there? You can get the details of Landry football. Alex Grinch is heading over there with them, and they're going to do the same things that they did at Oklahoma. He's bringing over a large number of the staff, from what I'm told. And you mentioned the quarterback, but there's about six other guys that it's getting really ugly over there because apparently there's – half a dozen players that were Oklahoma commits that he's already flipped them over to USC according. We'll see in December, but he's obviously been, you know, what's amazing about it. He's obviously done that worked that over the last 24, 48 hours because if he had been doing that a long time, that would have come out a little bit sooner. But, I mean, I know it was behind the scenes. I had been here, but I didn't quite know that. That um, I will say this, the last thing I'll say and jump off of it. The Oklahoma folks were never really concerned about the LSU. It was more about the USC opening that they feared, and they were right. They kind of knew. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as we uh, move on from that one, uh, we're only going to get into a handful of games, too, by the way, of just – as we wrap up the regular season here, I know you know not a ton of people are interested in every single game, the Kentucky and Louisville games and things like that, but we, we will get into the ones that really uh, made a difference over the weekend. LSU, Chris, are we any closer to a hire, and should LSU fans be prepared to be underwhelmed by said hire? <clears throat> I don't know how to answer that yet. I know that um... – Again, Scott, this wasn't like a shocker for Scott. He should have been prepared for this because, again, uh, I mean, I was. I mean, you know, so I know he, he's not shocked with this. Now, how long and how much he put into this versus some of the other guys that he's got, Dan, I, I think I think the answer to that, and I know the answer is should they prepare for that. Well, I guess emotionally you might want to prepare for it because it's a possibility. But I also would say don't give up hope either. Um, I, I I think maybe one of the things I would say, um, and it's based upon a little of what I know, but I can't really say it def- definitively, Dan, because I don't know 100% what he's done or not done. I, I do think – what I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm going to repeat. I think um, in the 
two hires we just talked about had a lot of merit and good reason for it and really good fits. I think what LSU and what Scott's doing, and it's what everybody says, and it, I keep hearing it, and it keeps repeating, oh, he's a big game hunter. He's going to harpoon the big wheel. And, and my concern from the very beginning was, Dan, who the hell are they going to hire to satisfy the people when it's all said and done? Can you really satisfy? It's kind of like satisfying the Alabama football fan. <laughs> you the only one way to do it, win the title and, and cover the point spread every game. Darn it, because that's what we expect, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be very difficult. I, I don't know that in I mean, regardless who you bring in there, there are going to be some people that are going to be, oh, that's it. Now, some are splashier hires than others, right? But I, I don't know that that splash hire is is going to be there. If I hear one more time, Kim Mulkey and hi God, Kim Mulkey, my God, she's a Louisiana girl. She's won three titles. She wanted the LSU job the last time they just paid her money. And who gives a bleep about women's basketball, Dan? Okay, sorry. I, I jumped and I ran it there. But my point is you don't have that. That person does not exist in football. Nick Saban's not walking through that door. Kirby Smart's knocking, not walking through that door. I mean, they don't want Jimbo Fisher or Lincoln Riley now. I mean, it's like there's nothing that's going to. So I think for those that are expecting, I don't know what you're expecting. I, I would say that there's going to be disappointment because there's going to be disappointment just because people are going to be disappointed. Now, I think there's a level of that. And so maybe that's what you're asking is how disappointed and what could there be? And we can go over names and possibilities because, my God, you won't be the only one that's thrown a million names at me. I don't know. I think a lot of stuff personally is being floated out there for a reason. I think we're in a world where people are, ever since the Tennessee Greg Channel situation, I think people are a little bit nervous in the PR world that there's going to be a backlash so bad that it's going to get ugly. Uh, I do think that Scott is maybe guilty a little bit too much scar gazing, maybe more splash, maybe again, looking for cover. If it, you know, Hey, I, if he doesn't deliver the big name, then he hasn't done his job. That's how he's pinned himself in. I, I I don't I don't think it's fair to himself. I don't I I don't think that because again, who's to say the splash hire is the best one, right? Right. I, I you know so I, look I mean I think he may have overplayed his hand a little bit, but let's see what he's able to do. Um, look I can't I'm not gonna sit and tell you I I I know who it's going to be. Look you just. I, I know certainly what I think of some folks. I have a pretty good idea maybe what may make some sense for them, but can they get that done? There's some coaches. Here's what I will say. There's some coaches that are still coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Let's follow that. We're going to have the answer. Because if it's a coach that could be hired today and he's hired next week, 
we know they've missed on some other folks. You, you know, I mean, I'm just going right. to example. If Mark Stoops gets hired next Monday, he, he wasn't their target, okay, regardless of what they say. Because they can hire Mark Stoops today. Or, excuse me, you know, I'm not going to uh, assume it's disrespectful. I don't want to say – I don't want to assume that Mark would take it. But whoever that is, I'm using an example, so pardon me here. If that is somebody that's available now and they can't get it done today, they, they ain't waiting to next week to just wait to next week. You know what I mean? They, they, it's because they're waiting to make a run at somebody, and if they don't get it, then they circle back. Can that – will that work? Who is it? Look, I mean, we know who's playing. We know that Dave Aranda is still coaching. We know that uh, Luke Fickle's still coaching. Um, <laughs> you know, you you can you can guess on some things and see. I I don't know that um, you know I you, Matt Campbell is somebody that might be. You know, I don't know if it's a fit or not, but it's going to be interesting. I just what is he going to do? Is he going to go? Best hire, splash hire. What's gonna make? I, I, I'm a little bit concerned with that. I do think there's a. I wouldn't call it scrambling, but I think on the outside, here's what I would say. That is realistic. Um, there's a lot of people that put up a lot of money to make Ed go away, mm-hmm. and a lot of people put up a lot of money and say, "Go hire the best guy." I think some of those people are not doubting but are questioning what are you doing with my money? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, where is my, you know, where is this going? Because fair, unfair, accurate, or as I said, inaccurate as it may be, there was maybe some expectations by not just the Joe fan on what do you call a message board stuff? But here's some people, maybe on the board of supervisors, and some booster money. So the the board of supervisor people, and the that's reached out to the money people and say, hey, we'll do this. We need this. We need. Apparently, you know what I'm told with a couple of board of supervisor members told me that as recently as like a week to ten days ago, they went back to them and said, we're going to need more money. Mm. Okay, for what? <laughs> for whom? What are you doing? I, I think those. That's where we're at now. Like, hmm. Okay, where is this going now? Mm. I, I I spent a way too long time answering, trying to answer a question that I can't really answer. Is if you're an LSU fan, should you be, you know, preparing yourself for maybe just a good coach that's not the splash? Um, yeah, but I wouldn't give up hope that it may not beat someone with some splash. We shall see. We shall see. It's just not a whole lot that's out there, man. You start eliminating some of those folks. It's going to be interesting to see. All right, last few minutes of the show. I want to get into some of the games. As Like I said, we're only going to go through a handful in the SEC slate as well as some of the others that have affected the college football playoff race just a little Start first with the Iron Bowl, Chris, as Alabama is able to pull out that win in overtime. A huge win for them 
in that one as uh, it took them uh, four overtimes because they got to the two-point conversion part of it. 24-22 was the final in that one. I think it was kind of a microcosm of what we've seen this year with Alabama of they are very young and inexperienced in key spots. And in some of those key spots, offensive line, wherever it might be, that is starting to show its ugly head. And we'll get into more of the preview of the SEC championship game coming up on Thursday. But, Chris, I got to tell you, if you're a Bama fan and you just watched what you saw on Saturday, you've got to be saying to yourself, we're in for a load of hurt this coming Saturday. Yeah, look, I think it's been more of the same. What do I see out of this Alabama team? You alluded to the offensive line issues and concerns there. I think you look at it and say, all these one-possession games, why? Well, because they can't run the football. They can't establish a line of scrimmage. So when they get a lead, they're not able to protect it. And as the case was this past week, they couldn't even get a lead. I mean, it just it, – it, they had to come from behind. And they were not able to be balanced enough because what teams are doing is, all right, they can only throw it. They can't run it. They're not patient enough with the run. And they're going to try to do the best thing they can. What is their strength? They're going to use their quarterback, and they're going to they're going to try to beat you at the passing game. And so we're going to attack them. We're going to attack them. We're going to bring be blitz heavy, and we're going to really attack that pocket. That's what Auburn did. It's what LSU did. It's what AM did. They're all following that pattern. Yeah, you look at it and you think, how is this Alabama team going to do anything against Georgia? Uh, it's going to be very difficult. There's nothing I can take you in the side of the film room and say, yeah, that's where they've got a real advantage to take it to Georgia. Look, it's as simple as this. Um, they're going to have to catch Georgia playing tight, making some mistakes. It's very unusual for Alabama to be in this, well, they don't have much of a chance to win mode. When do you hear that? Right. But that's what they are. They can play that up a little bit. Schematically, what do you do? Look, you got to get the ball out quickly. You got to work the screen game. You've got to find you got to run some some um uh, some jumble packages and you know, you just you can't you cannot let the quarterback stay in the pocket and get hit and I'm going to tell you one thing now, at quarterback, something else. He is. Bryce Young, man, he got beaten to a pulp, and he came back at the end, and he got it done, and I'm thinking this ain't not going to – it's not going to happen. I mean, they're not they're not going 97, 98, 99 yards, and they did it. Um, so kudos to them. Can this game be close? Can it be competitive? The longer – it's closer, the advantage to Alabama, as it always is to the underdog. Can Georgia get enough points to, you know, to to spread it out? Or the way Georgia plays it, will it be kind of close? Will it be one possession in the third quarter, 10 points, fourth quarter? You know, it's one of those things where, you know, one mistake, a ball bouncing the wrong way, a fumble, and it's a short field. All of a sudden, it's a three-point game, and it's four minutes left. Whew. You know, it's a different ball game. You're the better team. You want to take advantage of it over 60 minutes. If you're not the better team and you got it in a one possession game, whoo-hoo, you just, I got a shot that I never thought I'd have. That's kind of what we're looking at. We're looking at 
Alabama in the vein that we often look at opponents that play Alabama. It's a definitive favorite. Alabama just look like they don't have the elite playmakers in the back end of their defense other than 31, don't have the consistent playmakers up front. The offensive line is a problem. Well, here's the thing, too, is I like something that Cole Kubelik said with us on the Chuck Oliver Show on Monday. And he said, you don't change who you are this time of year. You are who you are. And the fact that Alabama has these problems, they're not going to be able in a week to be able to say, hey, we made this adjustment, made that adjustment. Now we're going to be able to go and we fixed the line of scrimmage issues. That's not how this goes. So I think that, uh, like I said, and like you said as well, just looking like, and and we'll get into it more on Thursday, like I said, of uh, how we think uh, the SEC championship game is going to go. LSU, Texas A&M, Cocho going out on a high. I think a couple of things here for me, Chris. I know I saw you tweeting about this as you were watching the game in the Landry Lab on Saturday night. Um, Kudos to Max Johnson because I know that LSU fans and, I mean, let's be honest here, I got the shirt on. We were all yelling, get rid of the ball, get rid of the football, get rid of the football. That Texas A&M front was in his lap almost the entire night. (laughs) And I got to say, that final drive right there, he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. That final drive right there for Max Johnson to have had that all night and still be able to make throws down the field. I got to say, if you're an LSU fan, you need to probably be pretty quick about cursing him to the darkness and wanting him to leave and go somewhere else because that's guts. And that's two years in a row now, Chris, in games like this, he's shown you guts. And no doubt he's got a lot of guts. I'm going to tell you the first thing that jumped out at me at the end is what the hell is AM doing defensively? They backed off their pressure. They rushed three at the yeah. end. They were getting home. I mean, rush four. They can't block you. Bring a fifth guy. I get it. Played too deep, man. I don't know what Mike Elko was doing. I have a lot of respect for him. I thought there are plenty of things they'll point to the fumble that wasn't. Hey, take care of your business, man. You didn't pressure him enough. And you know, I, just you give a team like that life, you give a team like that chances, you give what it showed you, give Mac Johnson chance to make plays, made a play. They never quit. Give them a lot of credit. I didn't know that I would think this LSU team would play with the type of fight towards the end of the year that they did. So very, 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 very impressive. Um, you know, for A&M, huge disappointment. Laid an egg. And again, it's hard to criticize the defense, which has carried this team, but they they really faltered down the stretch of this game. But they got no passing game, AM. They, they've got a lot to fix. And look, the optics of eight and four, not good at all. Well, that's not good at all. And I'm a big believer in Jimbo, what he's doing in recruiting. I'm not concerned about the program, but boy, you've got to really look hard. And by the way, I've got a. This is one of the questions. We'll get to this one. And since it's on point, Travis asks, I was hoping you can answer this on SEC football and beyond. Do you think Jimbo should hire an offense coordinator and relinquish play calling duties or change his offense in general with free up time for him to recruit and manage a program? He goes on and on. Look, I think it's something that you've got to look at. I don't see Jimbo doing that. But I think what he has to do is he's got to do a better job of, look, I get it. Haynes King went down. You got a walk-on quarterback behind him. 
in this day and age of transfer portal, there are no excuses now. You better have three guys that can play quarterback to where you can't just throw up your hands and say, oh, man, we would have been good, but we lost our starter. We don't know what Haynes King would have been. Maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe we'd be talking about them, you know, like we were talking about Ole Miss or better. Maybe, maybe, maybe would have, could have, should have. The bottom line is they were not good enough in the passing game. With the exception of against Alabama, they have been a shoddy passing attack. And it's quarterback misreads. It's dropped footballs. Sometimes it's protection issues. And if you can't have enough success throwing it, you're not going to have success running it enough. And sometimes they get away from the run game too much because they got to get some explosive plays. They got to get points. I thought they had a chance to win it like they did against Auburn. LSU wasn't going to score a bunch of points. You know, it was going to be close. It wasn't going to be like playing Ole Miss. But for AM, you know, they they didn't get a defensive touchdown. You know, they didn't do the things that they did against Auburn, and they guess what? They just couldn't get the last stop, and they just couldn't get the ball through across the goal line one more time to put LSU away. So congrats to LSU for hanging in there and fighting. Uh, it really was a game that AM probably looks at more like they lost, and they did. Um, but LSU just went right through that door and give them a lot of credit. They didn't quit. A quitting team would have probably lost that yeah. game even with everything, you know, we discussed. Yeah, I mean, and that's something, too, that we talked about on the Chuck Oliver show is that you got to give credit for all of the criticism that Ed Ogeron got over these last couple of years. When that news was announced, how many players in some programs, Chris, would have said, that's it for me for the year. I'm immediately in the portal. The guy's going pro saying, well, I'm going pro anyway, so see ya. I'll go ahead and opt out for the rest of the way. But you had guys who still bought in, coaches who still coached, and you got the result that you did on Saturday night. So I think something needs to be said in in terms of credit for that because, again, um, I think if nothing else, too, is I get it. I'm biased in terms of LSU, and I don't hide that as, as a matter of fact. But I think that needs to show the next coach Coming in might not be as tough as some people would think. That there is talent here. And there's also, too, there's a desire and a buy-in that's already built in that if I can sell the right message to these guys when I get here, we can build off this and keep going. I'm a big believer in being able to have momentum from bowl games. Some people can say, oh, they're meaningless. They don't matter. All those different things. I also think, too, that national titles the following year they're won because of bowl games and things that were put in the year prior. LSU, again, I don't think they win the 2019 national title if they don't have the performance they had in the Fiesta Bowl. And being able to build off that and beating Texas and being able to go from there, I don't right. think they have all that if they don't have that. So, Well, kudos and to them you know what? That. I think it, it's a good point, and, and I, I think that they – look, it shows a couple of things. There's a lot of young guys that played at LSU, did a really good job, and there were some older guys that said, I'm going to lead, and that's really impressive. So I, I'm I'm – very impressed with what they were able to do. Um, and, and I think the coaches may be coaching for their jobs. Um, I think that those things are really, really good. I'm going to go back again, not to make it about them, but if you're A&M, 
you realize how many of those guys at LSU, you can't be talking about an injury here or an injury there. Look at all the guys that were missing and all the guys, including most of the secondary that were starters, that just packed it in for the year. You lost to that team. Uh, that's that's a that's an ugly loss for Jimbo and that team. And he's got a if if this is going to be the program, going to have to. It's a little bit not there. It's a little bit, isn't it? Like not not the four losses part. It's a little bit like the criticism that Kirby got. Hey, you recruit well, but how do you lose to South Carolina? How do you? This was one of those games that. What the heck happened? But it's happening a little bit more frequently, and it's a little bit deeper into his tenure to where I think there's a legitimate concern to be um, to be a question mark. Uh, real fast, Georgia, Georgia Tech, as uh, Georgia able to win that one going away. That's not the part we're going to talk about. I think the thing that really stands out to me here, Chris, uh, 45 nothing was the final on that one. Uh, we get to see George Pickens on the field. So that starts to make you believe that he's going to ramp it up and really try to make a strong push for this team in the SEC championship game as much as he can on Saturday, but also to the college football playoff going forward to make his best case for the next level. I think the other part of it as well, for the most part, come out of this game because I think the concern for a lot of Georgia fans coming into this one, Chris, was don't get a lot of guys hurt. Don't get a lot of guys banged up. Kiaris Jackson, I know he left. I think uh, a rib issue is what he's got or – Injury to his ribs, but uh, Kirby Smart said he was going to try to practice on Monday and thinks he probably should be good to go in this game. But uh, that's pretty much it. And I guess if nothing else, I know that uh, we've got uh, Michael Rockman in the uh, uh, in the uh, comments because I did want to get into that a little bit. I, I guess we can call this beyond because I, I think now, Chris, Jeff Collins is completely in over his head at Georgia Tech. Well, you know, he's made, he's made the coaching changes on the staff. That's what happens when you save your job. We've talked about it. He's kind of lobbied for, hey, the team is getting better. I You don't see it in results. but yet, And, you know, he's made the changes on his staff. Um, there's a couple of things that come along with that. All right, well, it's the sacrificial lambs, yes. Uh, is there legitimacy to do we underachieve at certain positions? Yes. The difficulty is now you got to find somebody that's going to come in knowing that it is a lame duck year. So you're, you know, getting people that are qualified, um, you, 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 they may have better opportunities. So that, that's going to be the challenge, and it better work because it's you next year. This is kind of the first step towards it. So um, there's no doubt that, you know, it's disturbing that they're not – they don't look close, and I'm not saying they don't compete, but, man, they just they just can't function at a level that they should be functioning it's one thing to get beat it's one thing to be nebraska and to lose god bless them nine in detroit lines of the college football i mean nine games by one possession it's one thing to show we're competing we just don't know how to win yet i mean at georgia tech it's you're not even competing most of the games it's 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 going to be really really difficult Yep, I mean, things not looking good. Jameer Gibbs deciding to move on. So, again, we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Egg Bowl really quick. Uh, Great win for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Finishing the year at 10-2, 31-21, the final in that one. I think if uh, nothing else, it is that portion of Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss now moving on. You've talked about it before. You think 
he needs to leave while the getting's good. Uh, will he have that opportunity? I guess we'll have to try to uh, see if that is uh, the case because a lot of people think Miami, unless I haven't heard anything uh, or, or unless something's come out, I don't know if Manny Diaz is going to be off that seat for him to be able to unseat him at Miami. I think we might be looking at Lane Kiffin staying at Ole Miss. I looked at a couple of things real quick. Great job. Did a really good job against Mississippi State. That's a big game, obviously. Um, I thought he had great game plan. They executed on the road. Very good. He's frustrated as hell to answer your question because he's 10-2. and two. You can't do any better than that at Ole Miss. And the old strike where the iron's hot and no place for him to go. He has got nothing. I mean, he. when I tell you behind the scenes, the, the whole Lane wanted the LSU job really bad. Did not even get a phone call back. I mean, I from his agent. Not even willing to, to talk to him. Florida, same thing. You mentioned, I we talked about it. I don't know that Miami's going to do anything. I don't know why you would. Everybody assumed when the athletic director was fired that, that definitely mean he was gone. No, I think it means unless the, the athletic director is hired soon, they're probably going to keep Manny. Who the hell is going to hire the new coach? You don't want the president doing that. You don't want to bring in a, an athletic director six months later. So unless they're hiring an athletic director real quick, I don't know. I think there may there's already staff changes. Rhett Lashley's taking the SMU job. They haven't announced Sonny at TCU yet, but Rhett's already taken over his job at at SMU. Um so um you know, it it's just and and I hear by the way, Jonathan Brewing Kyle Cooper's gone with him uh, over to SMU. So I you know, he's gonna lose Rhett. The defense is the biggest problem. That's under him. I, I don't know. It's it, it it may make some sense for them to save their money and kind of buy it another year. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I do think that Lane would take that job. But, again, boy, you got to be careful there. If you're the president, do you do that? Do you have yet to let – I think there's some layers there that need to be uncovered before I'm comfortable seeing what they're going to do there. All right, uh, one uh, quick note here, a couple of quick notes before I uh, get to uh, the Michigan-Ohio State game, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas. Huge um, yeah, huge round of applause for them this season, finishing this year 8-4 and four wins over Vanderbilt and Missouri, respectively, for them this year. Chris, I mean, you know, I know that there's going to be the Josh Heupel rumors with Oklahoma. We'll have to see how that plays out, but it does seem like at least there's belief at Tennessee again. I mean, I think, um, you know, we, we, when we had Cole Kublik on, Chuck Oliver had the line of Neyland Stadium is Neyland Stadium again. That's something that hadn't been there in a while, so that's good news there. Uh, but the new, but the uh, job done by Sam Pittman as well, I don't think he's going to get hit with coaching losses just yet. I think he probably still will be able to keep um, – be be able to keep Kendall Bryles and also Barry Odom around for this time. But he does something like this again next year. I think you're going to start seeing people come after his coaches. Yeah, well, and I do know this. I don't think Barry's going to take this job. I tweeted it out yesterday. But the athletic director at Louisiana Lafayette is a lot of ties with, with the Missouri. So I don't, if I'm Barry, I'm holding up. Um, but we'll we'll see, you know, uh, if he wants to 
you know, that they've got nice new facilities there, G5. Uh, but you're right. I think there's a decent chance he's, that he keeps them. That's a big part of it. They, they showed some consistency. It's not just – it's one thing. It's not as difficult to take a bad situation and turn it around in the short term. It's to maintain some consistency. So another step for for Sam to show some consistency or not an elite-level program, but they're still able to get some nice wins. So really, really impressive. Um, like what Josh did, they're, they're excited. They're comfortable. I, I still am a little bit concerned about how they're going to play defense going forward. Um, and I, I, I personally don't think that's the direction I would go if I were Oklahoma, um, because I think they're getting a similar version of Lincoln Riley. And I don't mean it because Lincoln left them, but right. I think in terms of the defensive stuff at Tennessee, eventually those folks are going to start saying, well, well, I got that, you know, and it, it it annoys me, and I don't mean to be, you know, condescending, but it's like, you know, you, you sit there and tell them, understand, you're going to run that pace, your defense will never be very good. You tell it a hundred times, and people are going to say, man, they got that offense figured out. When they going to figure out that defense? Getting them new defensive coordinator, Dan. Well, it's not the problem there. The problem is your style. So while they're excited now, I wonder how far this will take them. I don't think the timing's right. I don't know if the bad blood with him getting fired at Oklahoma is enough. I think the timing and the fact that I think Oklahoma will look, I tell you, could be a good fit. I don't want to get into it now. I know we're running short of time, but I take a hard look and kick the tires and have a long conversation with Brent Venables if I were Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, it is the type of guy that defensively could create the type of culture and the standing and the recruiting that could maybe be a difference to be that defensive, physical toughness edge. And at Oklahoma, they're not afraid to hire, you know, guys that are first time head coaches because they did it with the last two Lincoln and Bob Stoop. So let's keep that in mind. There's some others in play. Um, I, I think they like to talk to Matt Campbell too. I think they'd like to see if Luke Fickle would be interested, but I think Brent Venable's, particularly with the background there, uh, particularly with Joe Castiglione, makes makes some sense there. We'll see. Yep. I mean, uh, I do think that probably there is some truth to that because, I mean, it is also, too, what's Oklahoma known for? Physical football. That's what their identity has been as an organization for years, is being known but, as half, but, but, half a but, hundred but, on them. Go ahead. Yeah, but before, before Lincoln got there, it was right. that. Now it's more of finesse. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Joe's seeing that. I'm imparting my suggestions on what I think would be a good fit for them in a style. So not to interrupt you, but I think that's what, that's what I'm – that type of style would not – you know, Mark – Stoops would do the same thing stylistically. I don't know if going where his brother was. I don't know that that's that's something that's necessarily gonna gonna you know take place. Real quick, we'll uh, wrap them into uh, a couple here. Get your thoughts. Uh, Michigan over Ohio State. Finally, forty-two twenty-seven. A couple of things that I noticed with Jim Harbaugh's team is finally you were able to control the line of scrimmage because. That's something we hadn't seen from Michigan in this rivalry over the last few years and able to run the football almost at will. And then Oklahoma State 
and Oklahoma. And this one, uh, it was a battle of wills in that one. And who didn't make the final mistake there in that game? Because, you know, it's one of the things that I can't remember who it was for Oklahoma State, their defense talking about our scheme is tougher than a lot of pro schemes. And then you go out there and have a rough night against Caleb Williams. So I think a lot of people kind of throwing that back in his face, but still, nonetheless, a good win for Mike Gundy and the Pokes. 11 and 1 for them this season. Both teams, uh, Oklahoma State and Michigan, looking like they got a good shot, Chris, at uh, being able to make a run for the playoff. Michigan was very physical. Listen, Ohio State's defense has not been elite a large part of this season. I know down the stretch, they played well and held people down point total wise but you know we've seen Oregon do it in the early part of the year we've seen good offenses move the football on them and Michigan was very effective they played very well at the line of scrimmage and um that 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 wasn't a fluke Oklahoma State it's been about their defense it's been about Jim Knowles I think Jim Knowles is outstanding that's a guy that is, we're talking about head coach. That's a guy that a lot of people ought to be looking at as defensive coordinator. And there's a, there's a, I think elite schools I'm talking about. Right. And Oklahoma State's good. Hell, Oklahoma State may be in the in the Final Four. So who the hell? I'm not calling them non-elite. But in terms of money, the folks that say, yeah, we'll pay you two million a year to be our coordinator. I'm not sure that's where Oklahoma State will go. They're gonna do everything they can. In fact. Mike Gundy came by and said, we're going to do everything in our power to do it, which translation is we're going to do everything we can. We don't know if we can stop, you know, somebody to pay him ridiculous money. I think Jim's done an outstanding job. Physical football team, really excited for them. And we'll see if they can uh, get by Baylor. Things break right. Um, they've got a real, I think got a better shot than people think. People think that curious to see where they are in the rankings on Tuesday night, but it to me is about, you know, they got a nice win against Oklahoma and if they're able to go ahead and beat Baylor again, whew, that'd be really impressive uh, in terms of style points, in terms of then you win the conference championship. Um, very, very impressive. The only team they lost to was a, it was a really solid, well-coached Iowa state team. Uh, I think they'd be in really good position to be in the, in the final four if they win it personally. All right, mailbag time. Uh, finally, like I mentioned, uh, Michael Rockman bringing up a couple of really good questions because uh, before me and you came on on this Monday afternoon, Jameer Gibbs announcing that he is entering the transfer portal. And he, uh, Michael Rockman's question is not SEC, but do you think Jameer Gibbs, with him transferring, that he could replace Kyron Williams extremely well at Notre Dame? Chris, I'll get your thoughts because I have mine. Gibbs is an outstanding back. I think Kyron Williams is very, very underrated. I don't know how many people really study Notre Dame. I know Michael does. You do. Um, no, I think he's really, really uh, an outstanding back that could uh, definitely help them out. Um, just just really explosive. I think runs with good body, lean, good um, – keeps his feet moving on contact. I like a lot of what I see in his vision as a runner as well. I will say this. I have been told by somebody that I trust where they believe he's going. It is an SEC program. It's a very good SEC program is what I've been told. So I'll, uh, I'll save that we, for later. Can we uh, – I'm just curious to see if we're hearing the same thing is 
because oh, I'm hearing a little rocky top there. Is that what you're hearing? Are you hearing something else? Uh, a di- it, it, it's another one that I can elude, but I'm not giving up. Okay. Direct, okay. Ri- direct rival. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. There we go. Well, so. well, we'll, we'll see. I'm curious to see because there'll be some folks that'll be interested. Zach Evans has entered the portal too. Him as well. Way. Yeah. And Spencer, TCU, Spencer so Rattler. We'll, uh, College free agency started, folks. There it is. Absolutely. Final one here again, Michael Rockman. Uh, like the questions that you brought today, Michael. Um, thoughts on Dylan Gabriel in Ole Miss's offense. Uh, Matt Zenitz, a guy that I trust very well. Throwing that out there, Chris, that uh, looks like he could be a possibility there to Ole Miss. Might, if Lane Kiffin says this is not the right time to jump, he gets to Dylan Gabriel, might that continue to have Ole Miss in position to be competitive? Well, yeah, I think what he is, he's a really good fit there because I think he can run that offense. I don't think they're done there, though. I think they like what they have coming back. Um, but he may not, I think they want competition. I think they want a veteran. I, I'm curious, though, if I, – I, I've just had the sense that they're going to go fishing for even another transfer guy, so I'm wondering – how that's going to work if if they get somebody, particularly a couple of people that maybe are in the mix that may be a little bit more high profile, does does Dylan stay with that? or do, I mean, how, how do they work that? I think clearly what he's stating is, look, we need to keep this going. We've got a really good offense. Look what I've done for Matt Corral. We can do that for you, Dylan. I, I think Dylan's a tough guy, a cerebral guy. I think he can get the ball out on time. I think it's a good fit. I just don't think that's where they stop. I think on their roster, um, I think they really like the young guy that they have there that played some. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a good fit, though. I like him. So I'm curious to see. But I, but I think that I, I don't know uh, that it's going to be Spencer Rattler or somebody, you know, like that. But I think it, there'll be another guy out there. But I think this is just they sign a guy. He's at least going to be a quality backup, going to play, and he may end up being our starter, depending on who else they're able to to bring in in the transfer portal because what they have is young guys i think they feel pretty good about the future well we ran a little bit long today but there was a lot to cover so that was exactly what we needed to do he's chris landry i'm dan matthews you can get the podcast at apple spotify wherever you get your podcast needs watch us on twitter uh twitch excuse me every time we do the show twitch.tv backslash chris landry football on twitter you can follow him he is at Landry Football. I am at Dan Matthews. ATL is the way that you can follow me. One T and Matthews. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully the voice will be a little bit more booming on Thursday when we come back to join you again. Until then, have a great week. Keep paying attention to the college football news because we'll have it for you right here on SEC Football and Beyond. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.